Welcome to the SF Weekly Podcast, San Francisco's wettest-ass podcast. I'm Nick Veronin, your editor in exile, and I'm joined once again by our photo editor, Kevin Hume. How are you doing today, Kevin? Oh, man, a little wet and sticky because it's hot. <laughs> I know. When it's 90 degrees in the city, you know a heat wave is is upon us. Like We're seeing like temperatures of like mid-110s, you know, 107. So, um, <sighs> Just brutal, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Kevin, are you all up to speed on all the news surrounding the latest collab between Cardi B and Megan the Stallion? <laughs> I'm familiar enough with the song. I, I've I've seen the video one time and I've heard the song and heard it pop up on things. But uh, yeah. what's what's going on with it, man? WAP, uh, aka W A P, aka Wet Ass Pussy. <laughs> Or wet and juicy, I think is the edited version. Wet and gushy. Gushy. There we go. Yes. Yeah, I found the I found the uh, <laughs> the still not safe for work video with like the the lyrics changed, um, but still mm. it's a very provocative clip, um, and it slaps. Great song, um, and uh, predictably it also um, upset some people, including fellow podcaster. Ben Shapiro, oh, who God. recently who recently picked up his megaphone in order to read in his squarest ass deadpan voice without any verve or swagger the lyrics to this song. Uh, and then he got dunked on. Oh, good. Absolutely posterized. I mean, you know, uh, there was a there was a, a auto tune the news type treatment of him. Uh, uh, reading these lyrics aloud, um, plenty of takedowns. Um, so first of all, uh, while he justifiably made the the smart and proper editorial decision of a, of a white guy reading rap lyrics aloud, um, which maybe you shouldn't do anyway in a deadpan voice, but he decided, you know, to say, you know, quote unquote N word when he got to that word. So good on him for that. But for some reason he could not bring himself to actually say the word, uh, pussy, <laughs> Like, I don't know if he thinks like, like are his listeners I I don't, I don't know exactly why he, he made that decision, but, um, ass was fine, just not pussy. So, um, you know, he got reamed for that, for being sort of a typical buttoned up, afraid of sex, uh, conservative, but then he also fed the internet a real softball by, uh, announcing that his doctor wife, that is the term he used, <laughs> doctor mm-hmm. wife, uh, said the descriptions in the song, um, were indicative of something pathological rather than like a metaphor for desire. And um, some picked up on this and ran with it, suggesting that Shapiro and his spouse were likely in a loveless marriage. And thus (laughs) a new acronym was born. Oh yeah. P-A-P. You can, (laughs) is now in the lexicon. You can, you can figure out what it means. So uh, that, that was, that was a little bit, that was fun this week. Oh my God. Kind of, kind of catching up on all the memes there. Um, By the way, like the whole deadpan white voice reading of, of rap song lyrics, it's just not a good look. No, man. Like this isn't, you know, like white America trying to figure out gangster rap in like 1990 or something, you know, like trying to interview like Dr. Dre and easy E or something like, <laughs> I know it's like 30 years later, guys. Like yeah. this is, Hip-hop. this is the lexicon now. Like hip hop's King. It's like yeah, the most dude. popular music form. Um, and yeah, exact to your point, 
in the nineties, like maybe in the culture crusades of the nineties, the decency crusaders, the, uh, you know, the, the parental advisory board, which, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tipper Gore and, and others, uh, were kind of leading the charge on maybe it worked then it still wasn't a good look but like mm-hmm. you know maybe people were shocked by it to like oh, so guns and roses is saying this and it was mostly yeah. rap it's mostly rap let's be honest like because mm-hmm. that was that was the problem mm-hmm. and uh i and that i think continues to be the problem and you can read between the lines as to why but um when someone does that now like i don't know what it's supposed to do like your dad sits you down when you're like in junior <laughs> high and like She's trying to like embarrass you out of listening to like some dope ass music. It's not going to work. Right. No, like, yeah, your dad is not going to make you. I mean, he can maybe make you hate a song because he likes it, but he's not going to make you not listen to, you know, to something. If anything, it's only going to make you want to listen to that more. I think yeah. we all know this. Yeah, dad. <laughs> and Shapiro. Right. Um, reading the lyrics like that, just it doesn't it doesn't make Megan the stallion or Cardi B look bad no. um, because the way they deliver the lyrics is dope. Mm-hmm. They've got flow, you know, it, they, they got swagger. Um, it just makes him look like he doesn't fucking get it. No, I'm, I mean, I'm sure he fucking doesn't. <laughs> um, and what's the other thing is like, why, why, why are we still piling? Why are conservatives in particular still piling on hip hop? Like, Hip hop is like, it's always, it's all like rags to riches stories, right? I mean, Cardi B pulled herself up by her stiletto bootstraps. She used to be, she used to be an erotic dancer and she, I was reading her Wikipedia profile. I mean, I think she was in kind of a, a bad situation. You know, she got money together that way. Then she, she worked it on the, on the gram. uh, And now she's one of the hottest rappers alive. It's just like Jay-Z or Nas coming from, you know, the, um, you know, some of the grimiest projects in, in New York City. There were a bunch of Horatio Algers. Exactly. They 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 found a way to get themselves out of the bad situations that they were in. And that's that's what that's what people like Ben Shapiro and you know Rush Limbaugh, they're always telling us when you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And now here we have an you know an example of many people who do, um, but they're rappers. And um anyway. Um, the song slaps, listen to it. Uh, but that's not really what I wanted to talk to you about, Kevin. I had planned to talk to you about my latest piece of investigative journalism headline boats and shows. (laughs) Huff and Dobeck. (laughs) Huff and Dobeck. (laughs) Um, if anybody hasn't seen Step Brothers, you probably should. Please press pause, go see Step Brothers. And then, you know. Come back and come back and listen to this segment. A few weeks back, I think you'll remember this. We ran a story about the floating boat cinema. You remember that? Mm-hmm. I, I do. It seemed like such a really cool idea. Yeah. So it was going to be like all these socially distant, um, you know, smaller crafts gathered somewhere. And we assumed the bay. Um, but as I got into this story that I'm about to tell you about, that became obviously not like really a good, um, plausible, uh, idea um and they were gonna have you know like it would be like a drive-in theater but with boats mm-hmm. um and we saw this story uh on do the bay and on the alt 105.3 website i'll never get used to the fact that's not like 105 yes i know um and and cron picked it up cron four mm-hmm. and uh, it was supposed to be coming to san francisco that's what it said san francisco in um early september september 2nd i believe the date was we did a little post about it and this post blew up 
looking at the site analytics uh, on the back end, you know, people were reading that story like crazy, four or five times higher click-throughs wow. than an average well-read story on the SF Weekly site. And then the other shoe dropped. Uh, a week or so after that, we got a tip from a reader saying that it all seemed a bit fishy, uh, both with an F and with a PH. Uh, so I started looking into it. Um, and so the first thing was that there was this website, ziptickets.com. It's a ticketing site. I'd never heard of it. You ever heard of ziptickets.com? No, okay. never. Nuh-uh. Yeah, they were selling tickets for this event. They weren't actually selling tickets. They were asking for signups. But they weren't just like being like, you know, give us your email. Um, they were asking for emails in combination with passwords and like, like give us your email and password. So it's like, seems like could be, they're trying to get that email password combo, right? Yeah. That's a little sketch. Yeah. So the woman uh, who reached out to us, she was still interested. She said she, she signed up anyway, but she was cautious. She, she made up a password. So I went to ziptickets.com. I started poking around. Uh, the site had a link to something called um, thehiddenapp.com. And that link actually didn't work, but um, <laughs> it, it, it spelled out hiddenapp.com. So I, uh, I typed hiddenapp.com into my browser and landed on a web page. That was basically a directory to a bunch of different Facebook pages, all of them titled Hidden Something. So there was Hidden Cleveland. There was Hidden Houston hidden Miami, hidden San Francisco, among others. And um, all of these sites were promoting the same roundup of events. Um, in addition to floating boat cinemas in all of these cities, uh, or most of them, they were also promoting uh, the Mushroom Rally, which was a Mario Kart-themed go-karting event. Okay, that uh, sounds was rad. A, yeah, there was a ball pit bar. There was a Lego bar. Oh, uh, <laughs> there were a lot of like... Typical millennial arrested development combos if we yeah. <laughs> of booze and nostalgia. Yeah. Um when they when when they write the history books on our generation, they'll be like, those kids never really grew up and they drank a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um from there, I'm not exactly sure what path I took, but like things kept becoming weirder and stranger to me. The ziptickets.com site, for example it only seemed to sell tickets to the, that same grouping of events, the, the Mario Kart rally, the, the Lego bar, et cetera. And it, I, I ended up at this company, this, the website for this company called viral ventures, which is an Australian event promotion company that um, from what I can tell um, apparently runs all of these sites, ziptickets.com. Wow. Um, all the all the Facebook pages, because you can see on the Facebook page, it says like there's a portion that says like this is the transparency, the transparency page, page transparency. And all of them were Australia. The, uh -huh. This administrator is located in Australia. Now, we weren't the first ones to report on this. Both the Orlando Weekly and Columbus Underground alternative weeklies in, in those um, cities wrote stories uh, and identified the people behind these events. Um, and so one of them is a UK-born guy named Aidan Levin, and the other is an Australian named James Farrell. And they are both now based in Sydney, running viral ventures. And in their defense, they do run actual events and, and produce actual events. And I think COVID-19 has thrown a wrench in the works, uh, mm -hmm. so to speak. But they also have a strange way of going about promoting their their events and doing business before the pandemic even started for example 
both the Orlando Weekly and Columbus Underground had noticed that they'd received numerous press releases for events like the Lego Bar, um, which never came to pass. They were quietly canceled. Mm. Um, Furthermore, the guy who wrote the article for the Columbus Underground uh, discovered that the public relations firms that and there were multiples that had reached out on on the on behalf of these guys for these events um these pr firms seemed like to be entirely made up um <laughs> some didn't have web like you, you would type in the the url that's at the the at whatever you know uh-huh. one was adam and eve pr or something like that and you <laughs> type in adam and eve pr it's a, goes to a blank wix placeholder page oh man um one of them still had a web page up, but it, it was like slapped together in like two seconds. Mm. Um, and I had the experience of when I did the same thing. Um, I found we didn't get a press release directly, but I found out um, who sent the press release to Alt 105. And um, I typed that into my uh, URL um, search field. And uh, I didn't get taken to a public relations firm's website. I got taken back to ziptickets.com <laughs> full circle. Yeah. For the, yeah, exactly. For, for the, for the floating boat event. So, um, so it's all starting to look like a bunch of smoke and mirrors at this point. And again, some of these events have actually taken place. There are YouTube clips of people going to one of the mushroom rallies in Columbus. It did look badass. Okay. I don't think <laughs> they had permission from Nintendo to do uh, this probably not <laughs> um there was a local affiliate um in uh let's see pittsburgh uh that had that covered the lego bar they called okay. the, they went out of their way to call it the brick bar and okay. uh you know they apparently some of these things weren't bricks there weren't legos they might have been some other some other building block company like um, connects or <laughs> i don't know man um and the reason I know that is uh, with the help of some connections, um, I was able to get a phone number for, for eight and 11. Oh. And uh, I waited till it was about 10 AM Sydney time, which is like, I don't know, six o'clock here or something. I can't quite recall. Okay. Um, it was, you know, early evening and uh, I gave him a ring. He picked up huh. and he had an explanation for everything. Oh, I want to hear it. I was bracing for a conflict, you know, I was bracing for like him to be defensive and, you know, me to try to have to be crafty to kind of get a few answers out of him before he sniffed out what my purpose was and hung up. But he Mm -hmm. seemed to be willing to stay on the phone with me forever. And he was like, (laughs) he was like, no, man, Um, you know, uh, COVID-19 happened. Okay, I get that. Um, He also seemed to blame the email password request thing on the fact that his events were so popular that the site was glitching out. He was like, oh, well, that's like, you know, the the site's buggy and like we had a lot of traffic. And and so it asked you for it wasn't supposed. He didn't say this exactly, but the way he phrased it was like it wasn't supposed to ask you for an email password combination. It just was like kind of buggy. and, And we got so many hits that like the site crapped out and started asking people for emails and passwords in combination that's not how that works <laughs> i know <laughs> um and then he while well, he, he then he couldn't tell me exactly where they were going to hold the floating boat cinema because you know holding this thing on the bay the bay is turbulent um you know even if you did it 
around this time would be the right time to do it, as I understand from people I've talked to, the, the bay would be more placid. But even then, you know, it, it would it, the boats would be bobbing up and down. Even if you're on like one of those big bay cruises, those things bob around. Mm-hmm. So um, what he said was, well, I, I'm not working on that exact project. You know, I have people in the United States working on that project. Uh, and I had to do a follow-up email with him where he told me that they were working with SFPA, San Francisco Parks Alliance, to identify a venue. And this was this was earlier this week. So September 2nd is less than a month away. Mm-hmm. This event is incredibly complicated. And he's telling me they're still trying to figure out where to host it. Um, oh, man. Furthermore, I reached out to SFPA and I couldn't get anyone to talk to me on the record. But the impression that I got was that if they were in fact in touch with... Um, viral ventures these talks which may not have even happened were very you know it was one of those we can neither confirm nor nor (laughs) deny situations but it was like even if they were happening these were in super preliminary stages Uh so again not ready to go on september 2nd it would seem and and he was saying you know sometimes events get canceled because you know something genuinely happens and this is not something we make a habit out of but like if you look at the events on ziptickets.com. They are planning um, like upwards of six events on September on September 6th in cities all over the United States and Auckland, where they might actually be able to do this. Right. If, well, I if guess they, they get just, their, their yeah. new thing of COVID-19 outbreaks under control, which I mean, yeah. if it's what, like less than 20, I think they probably can. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and it, but but all these cities on September 2nd, then the next page on the zip tickets, it's like the very next weekend, there's another slate of U.S. cities. And so it seems to me like what they're doing is this kind of shotgun cart before the horse, throw anything out there and see what sticks kind of approach. Mm-hmm. And if we have to quietly cancel the event, we have to quietly cancel the event. He said, you know, they they didn't make a habit of doing that, but I'm not convinced. So. At the end of it all, <laughs> I, I don't know what to think. I mean, I don't know if I would go so far as to say that they were running a phishing scam. I don't want to say that. I think it's more of the thing that I just said. It's just kind of like throwing shit against the wall and seeing if it sticks. I guess, man. Uh, it, it feels very much kind of like Fire Festival to me in a way. I mean, obviously, they didn't take people's money just the, just yet, but like it just feels kind of like that we're going to come up with this idea and sell it to people and then poof, there's nothing and people show up and they're like, where's my money, man? Where's my money? You know, where's my my food? And they get what they got like a ham sandwich or something. Yeah. And these like janky little, you know, uh, like tents in the, in the middle of the Caribbean. What would they do? Like, what? Like, where are all these boats going to just manifest? I mean, I mean, yeah. people could probably just, you know, if they have money, they probably could just use their boat that they have in the marina or whatever. But like, yeah. where are the people who don't are going to, you know, like get a canoe or get a, <laughs> you know, yeah. get a kayak and take it out to like McCovey Cove or something? Like, where? I don't even know, man. Like, it just feels very fire festival scammy money to me. Yeah. And so it was just, it was something that, you know, we threw together real quick, um, small little blog post. I kind of went, 
I went all out on it. I probably went <laughs> deeper than I should have in terms of like stuff I need to be worried about covering for the paper, but it was fun. Yeah. And I hope that um, people read it. Um, it's on the website now. It's on our front page. Uh, it's called Boats and Shows, a sprawling global conspiracy. How a short blog post on a floating boat cinema led me down a tangled intercontinental click hole. <laughs> Getting all Bob Woodward, Carl Bernstein. <laughs> you really think so? Uh, it kind of it remind me of myself, you know? <laughs> so yeah, uh, that story is online. Um, up next on the podcast, we have a conversation with Sean O'Sullivan of 21st Amendment Brewery. The local craft brew producer is branching out into the realm of hard seltzer. And we are also going to talk with SF Weekly staff writer Grace Lee and SF Examiner staff writer, sister paper, um, Ida Mojadad, about what they've been streaming when they aren't chasing down leads. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Sean O'Sullivan of 21st Amendment Brewery, the San Francisco-based craft brewer. We've brought Sean on the program today to talk about 21st Amendment's new line of hard seltzers, which include flavors like mango, watermelon, guava passion fruit, and black cherry. Welcome to the podcast, Sean. Hey, thanks for having me on. And you might have heard that with me um, cracking one of your seltzers. I hope my boss isn't listening. <laughs> you know, it's all for, it's for the show. It's for the radio. I think he's going to be okay with it. I'm okay with it. <laughs> Good. As long, as long as you're okay with it, we'll yeah. get through the interview. How long has uh, 21st Amendment um, been following the hard seltzer trend? How long were you following the trend before you all decided to to make your own? Well, you know, it's been going on for a little bit. Um, you know, popularity probably peaked uh, last year with hard seltzers. Um, you just saw the, the this juggernaut kind of coming online. And, you know, you uh, as a craft brewer, <clears throat> you have to be you have to keep your eyes out on the horizon and see what's happening and you have to morph and move with trends. And, um, so we, we, we saw it happening and, uh, I probably started on this project actually, uh, summer of 2019, um, and really started to, to grind on, you know, what this would look like. There was some challenges with it, uh, with actually making it. Um, and so it took a little bit of time to, to, to sort of step up and, uh, make something that we, that we were, we were proud of and that we wanted to put out there in the market. Yeah, I want to get into the process of making it in just a little bit. But was there a single moment where it was like, we need to do this? You know, I, I think it was just seeing what the what was happening, uh, just what the consumers' interests were. I mean, you know, I have a I have a lot of friends who are craft brewers, craft brewer owners, and they they don't want to make hard seltzer. They're you know they're 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 based on a principle. And I say, you know, you can't, you know, pay your check on principles. I mean, you know, this is a fermented beverage, just like beer is. Um, we're using, you know, uh, we're, there's, there's yeast, we're, we're making alcohol. So, um, you know, for me, it was, and for the company, um, it was just, we just saw it happening. We decided that we would jump on it and we had a unique 
align with Soma that I think it would it, it, it would work really well uh, rather than sort of the, the traditional 21st Amendment uh, brand family that was already out there. Okay, tell me about uh, tell me about this Soma brand and and what differentiates it. We've got this little side project we call Soma Brewing Company, and uh, it was a it allowed us the opportunity to sort of have unique packaging uh, that's a little bit different from our normal like uh, fun twist on Americana, you know, with uh, with uh, Mount Rushmore and and, and Lady Liberty, um, and so it was a uh, it was it was a little bit edgier. Uh, graffiti art. I know we put out a couple of beers or are putting out a couple of beers on that line with our IPA and a hazy IPA as well. And so uh, we decided, and Soma Hard Seltzer fit into that nicely, uh, but we decided that it was an opportunity to uh, have a line underneath the 21st Amendment. And so we're folding this into uh, the Soma Hard Seltzer line into the 21st Amendment brand family, even though it has this unique uh, and uh, both look and appeal. Got it. So, um, how long did it, you talk about the challenges in making this, um, how long did it actually take to come up with the <laughs> recipe? What did that involve? Oh my God. It, it's a, it's very different from making beer. You know, I've been brewing beer for 24 years here in the Bay area, starting out at triple rock back in 94, 1994 in Berkeley. Um, and we've been around for 20 years as a company, uh, started as our pub in San Francisco here. And, you know, it was it was just requires a little bit more technical prowess uh you um you have to really pay attention to uh there are certain aspects of you know fermenting the way we did where we had to pay attention to to sort of pull the curtain back a little bit on the the needs of the yeast in terms of nutrients and 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 how we process it and how we make it um you know you're really trying to make something um that you know has a really clean you know very bright flavor to it, but you don't want, and you don't have, you're not adding hops really at all. And so, and the malt, you know, character is of course not, is absent. And so you really, it's, you know, one of the hardest beer styles to make are lighter beers actually like Pilsner's or light American right. lagers for that matter. Right, so yeah. this sort of fit, fits into that in a lot of ways, because you need to like, you're essentially trying to make something where you're just showcasing the flavor that's in there. Is this is this considered a malt beverage? The thing that interests me about these these things is is you can't um, y- you wouldn't be able to sell this in certain stores, for example. And correct me if I'm wrong or educate me if you just took hard <clears throat> seltzer and spiked it with vodka, right? That's not what you're doing. Yes. Yeah, so, so there's like this is uh, this is really inside baseball, which is, is fun to talk about. Our particular uh, hard seltzer, Soma hard seltzer is, I call it a natural fermentation. And what that means is we're using, we're essentially doing a single strength alcohol brew. Um, we're not diluting it down. We're not making a high gravity version of it. And we're not using, you know, what's called flavors or grain neutral spirits, what some of the big guys do and then dilute it down. Um, so we are able to sell this anyway. This is actually classified as a beer. Um, and so it is, is taxed accordingly and regulated accordingly. Right. Because so, so do some hard, hard seltzer producers kind of, they, they spike the stuff and, and that that's bringing distilled spirits into the, into the, the recipe. And that means, that means something in terms of, it means something legally. It means something in terms of the process. It probably means something in terms of the flavor as well. Yeah, exactly. So they do do that. They're using like a grain neutral spirits called GNS. It's, you know, what a lot of your vodkas and what your gins are that are made out there in the marketplace. Um, and, uh, and then they're diluting it down. Uh, 
and it's it depending on the state you're in there's different regulations for that um for us uh the well for the flavor it's 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 night and day i mean i well i'm partial to ours but ours has a really very clean unique flavor where i think with the larger uh hard seltzers they have this like metallic almost uh just a slight astringent uh, flavor to them. Mm. I think it's just uh, the ingredients that they're using to make it and the process that they're using. So speaking of um, speaking of your, your competitors, w- when you set out to make your seltzers, um, w- w- was there anything you wanted to improve upon based upon <clears throat> how the big players are out there are already doing it? White Claw, et cetera. Uh, another way to ask us, I guess, is, is have you improved upon the recipes of your competitors? I mean, I think we have, I mean, just like we talked about, uh, just a moment ago with the ingredients that we're using, um, with, with the flavors you're, we're using, we're using, our flavors are coming from a company, a 90 year old company in New York called Virginia Dare. Um, and I've been using them for years as a brewer when I was making, you know, root beer and cream sodas back, uh, for our soda offerings at the in various breweries I worked at, including here at the 21st amendment. And so, um, so I think the, the fact that we're using these flavors, the, uh, they're, they're unique. I think also what's great for us is that, you know, one of our, one of our, you know, lead flavors is watermelon. And we, we, we have a lot of fun with watermelon. We've been making hell or high watermelon for a long time. And so I think that really was a great nod to, uh, this, this, this powerhouse, uh, uh, beer that we have in our portfolio. Um, and, and also, you know, there's a, cra- there's a crafty part to this that I think might, that is absent with the larger guys, you know, we're, you know, it's uh, it was just me and my team, um, you know, coming up with, you know, how are we going to do this and really grinding on it. And I think because of that process and taking the time and energy to go through several batches that we just, you know, ended up not serving and sending to the drain, um, really getting into uh, a space where we're proud of putting this 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 crafted hard seltzer out in the marketplace. Okay. Do you have a favorite? Uh, what are all the flavors, by the way? And, and do you have a favorite? Well, <clears throat> Nick, it's like picking your favorite kid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you uh, you know, we've got mango. Um, uh, we've got uh, we've got watermelon. Of course, we talked about black cherry and uh, and, and guava passion fruit. I mean, I'm, I, I like the guava passion fruit. You know, I'm missing like, you know, a beach, you know, environment right now. I haven't really traveled since the end of February. Um, and uh, and but the watermelon's great too. I mean, they, they, they're all really unique. What's interesting is that when you ask people what their favorite is, some people say, well, I, I don't really like the black cherry, but then you get just as many people saying they like it or any other flavor actually. Um, but I, I think these are great. I mean, they're, you know, they're, what's great about hard seltzer, I think is it is, you know, it's only four, ours is only 4.6% alcohol. So it's a little bit lower than what you see out there in the marketplace. It's only a hundred calories. I think like we're, you know, everybody is an active lifestyle right now or trying to be at least. And I think it really plays into sort of what the what, you know, what beer drinkers want. I mean, I will drink a big stout. I will drink, you know, a double IPA, hazy IPA. But I also drink a hard seltzer because, uh, uh, you know, sometimes <clears throat> you can't drink those types of beers. So uh, this is perfect for, you know, especially during summer right now. OK, um, finally, and perhaps most importantly, where can people pick this up? Well, right now it is available just in California um, for right now, but it is slowly getting out there. Our plan initially was just to release it in, in, in Northern California, but the pop, but the response from our distributors and the market and 
and people asking for it when they heard about it decided we're going far and wide. So it'll be in our entire footprint at some point, which okay. is about, I want to say, and our sales, uh, I think it's, I think we're in 30 states right now, but I might've made that up we're around 29 or 30 states. Okay. Well, uh, Sean O'Sullivan of 21st Amendment Brewery, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, Nick, thank you. I've been listening to a little while now, and I, I have the same issue with uh, with Poison Oak as well. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the worst. All right. It is. It doesn't it go is. away. I know. I, I take it it's really fast. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Well, um, I'll catch you later, man. All right. Cheers. Thank you. back with Grace Lee, staff writer for SF Weekly, and Ida Mojadad, staff writer for our sister paper, the San Francisco Examiner. They're joining us today to discuss floating down the endless stream of great TV, to borrow a line from the Arctic Monkeys, during quarantine. Welcome to the podcast, Grace and Ida. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, as I understand it, um, you've both been working on a story about uh, some of the the shows the binge worthy shows uh that you think people ought to uh think about binging <laughs> right now um uh, no time like the present as they say um who wants to start tell us about what you've been watching grace you can go ahead <laughs> yeah sure uh, um, inter- yeah when you when you introduce yourself i guess introduce yourself the first time say this is grace and, and this is ida and then like after that you don't have to worry about it. okay cool. cool yeah yeah so this is grace um i <laughs> I, I feel like i watch too much tv than than i really should um it's basically all i do in my free time now so i feel like this streaming roundup is just a way for me to justify my horrible horrible like tv habits um <laughs> But recently, I just finished uh, this K-drama called Mystic Pop-Up Bar. Um, it's about, uh, like, a shaman's daughter who... Uh, it's sort of like a re- revenge plot um, series, um, but basically she's cursed for 500 years. She has to resolve the grudges of 100,000 people. Um, otherwise, uh, she'll be sent to hell, uh, which is not not ideal. Um, but... Oh my god, it, it, it's it's so fantastic. I feel like it's one of those shows where in every like hour long episode, you're just pulled through all these like highs and lows. <laughs> um, and it's like watching like a mini movie um, in every episode. So that's definitely like at the top of like my recommendation list. Um, I try to throw in some lighthearted recommendations in there. So there's this older Netflix show it's like a stop motion um, series called Ryakuma and Karu. And it's, I, I like it just because I think it comments on modern adult life in a very uh, sweet and also <laughs> self-aware way. <laughs> um, and the last show that I put on there was, it's actually like a BuzzFeed series. It's called I Draw You Cook. Um, but <laughs> basically they bring on like a different kid for every episode. And they have uh, two, like, tasty BuzzFeed chefs uh, compete to create this kid's, like, dream dish. So they'll make, like, radioactive milkshakes or, like, superhero desserts or, like, pixie dust drinks for fairies or whatever. How do you find these? 
I spend so much time on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I have also been watching a ton of TV because uh, I broke my ankle and what else can you do but sit on the couch? um, Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I've been watching a lot of stuff, especially when I was off on medical leave and my brain didn't really want to do anything but just sit and stare at something so that's why i have a lot of recommendations um the the my most favorite one for sure is united skates it is about well roller skaters could not stay away i cannot wait to get back at it but um you know it's so that's how you broke your ankle uh, yeah, I broke it roller skating. The, oh, right. I forgot oh, no. to do my I forgot to do my intro. This is Ida. Um, <laughs> a little late. I don't know if you can splice that together. But yeah, so I broke my ankle roller skating. And then uh, the first thing I wanted to watch was a documentary about roller skaters, um, specifically black roller skaters, because they really built up that culture. And it has such ties to civil rights and even hip hop, like hip hop would not really it really took off because of the rinks that uh, allowed artists to be in, in LA in particular. And okay. um, yeah, you know, they, they were desegregated and, um, or sorry, they were segregated. So it was a big, you know, it was a, another civil rights component to fight for. And now today there's all these rinks that are closing. So the documentary kind of follows that. It's sad, but it's also still like something that really means a lot to a lot of people. And um it's uh, interesting to see the ways that that segregation can still happen and um, you know, what it means to still have your community and it, it just have some, some, some bright points for sure. They're just the different skating styles that they show when like at some of the conventions, like, Oh my God, I didn't know that there were different like regional styles. It was amazing to see. And that's on HBO max. I've been watching a lot of HBO max because I got my cousin's password <laughs> and he doesn't know it. Oh yet. yeah. I wanna, I wanna, <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> I, I got my, my HBO has been taken away because even at the, uh, at the age of 35, uh, I'm piggybacking off my parents cause they have an actual, like they have an actual huge, like every channel in the world subscription. So like any show that I want to watch, I just type in their, their password, uh, through my, um, Roku. But, uh, uh, Roku and HBO are at an impasse at the moment, and you can't even get HBO Max on um, Roku right now. But that's oh. a story for that's a story for another time. I think they're <laughs> they're fighting over like royalties and um, who gets the the share of the profit. Um, what else are you uh, listening to? Um, I have also been watching The Wire. I promised a friend I would watch that like seven years ago, and that's how they gave me their password. <laughs> So I'm finally doing it now. Um, it's like the rare cop show that ages well because it actually flushes out all of the characters, not just like props up the cops as heroes who are like catching the bad guy. Um, you know, it, it's been like what was one of the more early indictments on the drug on uh, the war on drugs. And um, it has like different like kind of like themes in the season. I have to admit I'm only on season two, so I don't have the, the, the most authority to talk about it, but um, it's not one that I don't, I, I don't think you can really binge it because it's just such a smart show and like meticulously crafted and uh, you really want to like sit with it and like let your brain kind of soak it in. So uh, that one I recommend taking a little, little bit of time on. It's definitely not one that I can feel like I can dumb out to. And that's a good thing. You want your brain to not, <laughs> not just be mush all the time. So um, yeah, that one is really good. And you can see a lot of the influences that TV shows today um, took from it. Um, I know Sopranos was one of those early shows that you can see a lot of influences grew out of and The Wire, you you see that as well. So that's also on HBO Max because it was an HBO show. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So Um, I highly recommend that one. 
I, I yeah, I uh, I don't have a ton to say. Or I don't feel like I have a ton to say right now because I, I haven't been watching a lot of new stuff, but I have been um, uh, catching up on stuff. Uh, usually at the end of the day, I I have a few serious shows that I've liked to watch, like uh, Westworld uh, when that was still on. Um, and I've been watching Perry Mason, which is more like, you know, a prestige drama, but, um, a lot of times I just want to turn my brain off and I, uh, fortunately had a bunch of Bob's burgers to catch back, catch up on. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So I've been doing that. And, um, and then this is kind of, well, it's a dramedy. Um, I hadn't watched it. It's, it's four seasons and I, I, I really like it. Uh, Insecure. Oh HBO. yes. I love Insecure. What, what else are you, what else are you watching, Grace? Oh God, <laughs> I'm watching a lot, but I think uh, right now I'm just like rewatching old shows, um, <laughs> mostly because I want something that's like low stakes and isn't giving me a lot of like nervousness because everything else in the world is. <laughs> <laughs> so as always, I'm rewatching You Girl. This is probably like the twelfth time that I've rewatched this series. <laughs> I think at this point I just like keep it on in the background while I'm like playing Candy Crush on my phone or whatever. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if I'm actually absorbing anything. I also watched this like new Netflix movie called Eurovision Song Contest, the story oh. of Fire Saga. Have you guys watched that? <laughs> I've seen I... some of Eurovision before, yes, but I, I not the not the com- compilation of it. No, <laughs> I watched that. I watched that film. <laughs> what did you think of it? Uh, I I was le- I, it it was no Talladega Nights or Anchorman, which is what the review online that I read said it would be. They're like, oh, this is this is the best. This is this is Will Ferrell at his greatest because it's just <laughs> so over the top. And um, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to hate Will Ferrell or or Rachel McAdams um, or that actor who played the the sort of the bad guy, the Russian who was in uh. Who was oh my in god! X Men show. He was. Uh, oh shoot! I, like, I just looked him up the other day. He was in Sex Education, right? I don't know, but he was in this show Legion, which was fantastic. Oh, um, if any comic book show fans out there, it is a great show because it's not. It's not like the X Men movies or the Marvel universe at all. It's it's psychedelic. It's in fact it's hard to follow but um you know it's it's like the marvel universe meets i guess david lynch or something there's all these just weird weird subplots um and rabbit holes to go down hmm. um but to, to get back to your question I, it was a it was okay i liked um i liked that big like musical um mashup medley that they did in the middle that mm-hmm. was fun i don't know what do you think of it oh i think we have different bad guys i think you're thinking of dan stevens um mm. Yeah, you're thinking of Dan Stevens. I'm thinking about somebody else. <laughs> there were multiple bad guys in the in the movie. Mm. I don't know. I just thought um, it was just really delightful, and I I've been looking for like just like silly like fun content. Um, <laughs> once again, needs the escapism from the horrible <laughs> reality that is today. Um, but I don't know. I thought it was just like really really fun. I don't have anything deep to say about it. It was just yeah, like a no, fun movie I mean, to watch. Yeah, no, it was it, it it was fun. My only critique is that I it um it's not so much a critique. It's just the review I read was like, oh, this is this is gonna be like you know Talladega Nights or and or Anchorman, <laughs> and I guess maybe it just it was it wasn't that for me. But it there's was a, there's a lot of lot of uh I don't know I in recent years um I go into 
watching things without knowing like anything about them and my mm-hmm. boyfriend will just vet them to know that they're good and he also doesn't <laughs> really know anything about them but then he like at least he screens even more of the plot for me so I really there's a lot of things that I watch I have absolutely no idea what it's about and that makes it in my view so much better because you really don't see anything coming that happened with Bad Education it's the new movie um, that has uh, Hugh Jackman and um, Allison Janney in it. And I, I had no idea what it was about. Obviously, I assumed it involved education, but it's kind of, actually kind of secretly a really good journalism movie <laughs> and involving <laughs> high school journalists, actually, which is even cooler. And it was really good. Um, and it's based on a real story. So don't look up that real story if you want to watch it. I highly recommend not knowing what's going on with it. So, yeah, and that one is on HBO Max as well. I'm just going to collect my sponsored ads now. But um, I do. Yes, I do have one that is not on HBO Max. um, And that's a mythic quest Raven's Banquet. I don't know why they do the colon. I think they're trying to like maybe for different seasons added something different outside the colons. But anyways, it's mythic quest. Um, It's got the minds of it's always sunny in Philadelphia and community. And it's kind of like a workplace setting. It has game culture. Um, in it, but you don't actually really need to know games, but um, it's just a really good ensemble cast, and it's hilarious, and the main actress who plays Poppy, um, I'm blanking on her name, but she is amazing. She's, I believe, Australian. She's, I, I don't know, in my mind, the, like, star of the show, like, or, like, the the secret, the secret sauce, but um, they also just did a quarantine episode, which I know is kind of popular with those ensemble shows, but this one was, like, really, really touching, um, kind of, like, you know, a real depiction of like people like kind of breaking down from the gravity of the whole thing and isolation. So yeah, it's really good. I recommend it. It's on Apple TV plus, and I know a lot of people don't have that, but um, I, um, again, I'm reaching off for more passwords. So I have, (laughs) I have access to that too. All right. Well, you can read about some of these shows on sfweekly.com under the film tab. Um, Thanks a lot, Ida and Grace. We'll be right back. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's edition of the SF Weekly Podcast. The episode was produced, engineered, and recorded by me, Nick Veronin. Our theme music was composed by The Armature. For more hot takes, deep dives, and alternative views on San Francisco news, subscribe to our podcast through Apple or Spotify. Follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash sfweeklypodcast, and check out our website, sfweekly.com. See you next week.